DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Ben Anderson. You hear him on the Utah Jazz pre-half and post-game shows right here on The Zone. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung. Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning. I assume wherever you go, people who know you and know what you do, Want to talk about the Jazz. What's wrong with the Jazz? They won 19 out of 21. Now they lost four in a row. What is wrong? Ben, what's wrong with the Jazz? They won 19 out of 21. Now they lost four in a row. Right now, it's teams seem to have figured out that if you attack them off the dribble without setting a screen uh, or you go small, you can really kind of take Rudy Gobert out of the game because if you attack either Royce O'Neal or Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley, whoever it is at this point, Joe Ingles, uh, and get into the paint without your big coming and setting a screen, then Rudy Gobert has to come over and help. And if he has to come over and help, well, he leaves his man unguarded, and the Jazz communication right now defensively has just not been very good. So teams are scoring a lot of points, and that's why the Jazz defensive rating over the last four games has been third worst in the NBA. They're just they're hemorrhaging points when they're out there, and, and honestly, the, the offense hasn't been that good either. The offense has dropped down to about 20th over the last four games as far as offensive rating goes. So it, it is on both sides of the floor. But, but the majority of it is on the defensive side of the ball. And, and a lot of it does just have to do with containing the ball at the point of attack. And that's something that uh, I'm sure Quinn Snyder's been focusing on over the last few days. Well, and then is that easily correctable? Uh, I, it, it's hard because that's a personnel thing. Uh, it, it's that the Jazz don't have an elite wing defender. I know a lot of people like Royce O'Neal and do like Royce O'Neal and deservedly so, but he's more versatile than he is a lockdown defender. He's great because one night he'll guard Kyrie, and then the next night he'll guard Giannis. And that's awesome to watch a guy do that. But he doesn't lock anyone down. He doesn't shut anyone down, really. So that's maybe the issue is the Jazz don't have that type of player. Uh, not that that player really exists a ton in the NBA anymore. We don't have a lot of Gary Paytons in the world uh, or Michael Jordan in their prime that, that go out and stop somebody defensively on the wing like that. So... Uh, it has to be fixable, and yes, the Jazz will find out ways to fix it, and some of it is, you know, wh- where are you picking up Damian Lillard? I-, I get that he's a threat to shoot the ball from 40 feet, but would you rather him shoot the ball for 40 feet, or would you rather him get to the paint and get a layup? You'd probably give up the 40-footer. Uh, Eric Gordon, the Jazz, were a little bit uh, sloppy, as Quinn Snyder had said. He just said they were they were picking him up in the wrong spot. So some of it is just playing the numbers and, and gambling a little bit on-, on how much room you're willing to give up and how much space you're willing to give up to fix that. And I I have no doubt that the Jazz can fix it because we've seen long stretches where they've been great defensively, whether it was the first 10 games of the regular season or uh, a stretch in in early December when the team started to climb back up and get their defense back to being top 10. I'm sure they can fix it. They might not be elite ever perimeter, uh, elite defensively on the perimeter this year, but they should be able to solve some of these issues. Well, you know, they think the thinking was when they traded favors, hey, you're not going to be elite defensively, but you'll still be pretty good. And you'll be really good offensively, so it'll be okay. So, I, and I get your point about guys are getting taken off the dribble because, well, guys are getting taken off the dribble. But that's like one of the first things to work on. You don't really need to bring a screen over unless your guy can't take somebody off the dribble. So it doesn't seem like this would be totally new for NBA coaches to do this. It seems there's like there's a little bit of you just got to stay in front of your man. If you can't stay yeah. in front of your man in basketball, you're going to get beat anyway. Guys, you got to really lock in and stay in front of your guy. 
Yeah, guard your guy. I mean, that that was a, you know, I'm, I'm editing that down a little bit, but that was a Jerry Sloanism. <laughs> Stay in front of your own man. Help defense. The best defense is not needing help defense. If you don't need anyone to come help you and you can do it by yourself, that that's ideal. And, you know, Luka Doncic is six foot eight and 215 pounds and runs really fast and is good with the ball in his hands. He's hard to stay in front of him. Right now, Damian Lillard, the best player in the world over the last six games, just what he's doing, we have almost never seen before in NBA history. And so he's going to torch you. And then Eric Gordon occasionally is going to have a career night and he's going to do it against the Jazz or he's going to do it against the Raptors. It's just you are going to be on the wrong end of some of those games. So some of this could be some small sample size. Also, the Jazz were playing so well for 21 games. Maybe they're a little tired, or maybe they took their foot off the gas pedal because they realized they were just blitzing teams and running away with games, and they just let the defense get away from them a little bit because that's an effort thing. And they they were winning what felt like relatively easily. I think if you were watching, they were just blowing teams out for stretches of games, and, and then it was over. And teams are going to adjust to that. Teams are going to catch up to you. I think that's where the Jazz are right now. So you don't want to overreact to anything that goes on in January and February, but with that in mind, how important are these next five games for the team's psyche going into the All-Star break? I think psyche is a good word for this team because if I was going to say what else is wrong with this team is they seem to go with whichever momentum is at their back. And if it's positive or negative, they're going to trend in that in that direction. So in early December, late November, when they lose you know four out of five on that road trip and are getting blown out by 20 and 40 in Toronto – they, they didn't seem to have an ability to really stop that. Now, I understand those were really good teams and the Jazz were struggling against good teams. But then once things start going right a little bit and they get that momentum, they really start to play well. And then that carries them to winning 19 games out of 21. And that might be them being young, even though I know they've got some veterans on their roster right now with Mike Conley and, and Boyan and Joe Ingles has been around a little bit. But I do think that they still kind of trend in the direction of what their last couple of games have done. And and that's why when you do give up a loss to Houston like you did and then lose to San Antonio, it's hard for them to slow it down. So having these three days off is huge. You've got to beat Denver. You have to hope you can snap what Portland's doing because Damian Lillard's been so good. And then you get, what, Houston and Dallas and Miami still. So you've got a really brutal stretch. You, I think you want to go three and two. If you can go four and one, you're in great shape. Obviously, five and zero oh would be incredible. That's probably not going to happen. But if you can win the majority of these games, I think you feel good going into the All Star break. I think the one thing that is clear that teams have uh, have discovered and have worked on is that when Rudy Gobert is out of the game, you have to go on a run and you have to attack the hoop and you have to get layups because Rudy's not there to take him away. And Quinn's now, he tried one backup center, he tried the other one, he's gone back to Davis here, but they give up a 12-0 run when he's on the floor, and so I'm assuming the front office is looking around, seeing can we find a guy, can we bring somebody in, can help us, but in the meantime, since Quinn's tried both guys, what do you think about just going small and putting another offensive-minded player on the floor, and you might still give up the 12 points, but at least you could score two or four three or six, I guess, the way these guys shoot. Could you play Boyan with Joe Ingles, with Royce O'Neal, and try to put a, a, one, a, a small offensive lineup out on the floor? Yeah, and the Jazz should have some options to do it. In fact, I mean, I think that's what Jeff Green was here for, uh, was with that idea that the Jazz could play five out and have a smaller center that wouldn't absolutely get you killed down low. Now, I, I don't know if Boyan can honestly play center and, and the Jazz just not give up you know, buckets of points. They just they just might not be able to do that. But, you know, between George Niang or even a guy like Juwan Morgan, who they've signed and is on the roster full-time, 
he could maybe step in and get some of those minutes. I, I think they've liked what they've gotten from Tony Bradley, and I actually think his ability to be a little bit of an offensive threat as a roller has really helped the team, and that's the major difference between he and Ed Davis is that he can catch the ball on the roll and, and teams have to guard him, and as a result, the Jazz have success. But, yeah, the, the five-out D4 offense m- might be the Jazz' best solution or something they can look at, whether that's something they try and address at the trade deadline coming up here on Thursday or, or just by going with the players they have. Because, yeah, if you're getting killed every time Rudy Gobert's off the floor and you're minus 12, uh, even if you're plus 13 with him on or plus 10 with him on, minus 12 with him off, that's a bad equation. So maybe the best thing you can do is say, hey, can we cut that minus 12 to minus 6? Because if mm-hmm. that's enough, Jazz can still win more games than they lose. And they do win more games than they lose. I, I want to make sure we're not hitting the panic button if you're a Jazz fan. But th- I'm sure that's going to be the main focus. It's of looking either to improve the team uh, by the trade deadline or in the buyout market after the, after the trade deadline passes. So you think they're going to live and die with Conley as a starter from here on out? I, I think you probably give him 15 games. I mean, I think he's certainly earned it in his career, and, and I think it's somebody you roll with, and you can see how potent he can be. He was, he was certainly dangerous in uh, Portland, and you know, even as good as Dame was, was, was kind of going toe-to-toe with him through the first half, and then somebody needs to step up in the second half. I mean, Mike Conley can't be that guy. He's not going to score 40 points. It's not who he is. It's really not who he's ever been. Uh, but when he gives you a 20-point first half, Boyan needs to give you a 20-point second half, or Donovan Mitchell needs to do that. And the Jazz really didn't get that as much. They didn't have somebody else pick you up or pick the team up. But they're designed that way. They're designed to have five guys who can go off for 20 every night, and they need two or three of them to do it. And, you know, for the most part, Donovan Mitchell has done it, and Boyan Bogdanovich has done it. If three guys do it, the Jazz need to win those games. And I didn't think they really had anyone who did it in the second half of the team. They just didn't have a way to stop what was going on. And, again, Portland played great, and, and Damian Lillard's fantastic. But you saw how good Mike Conley can be in that first half. I just don't think we can expect him to be a superstar or an all-star, despite the fact that he makes $30 million. Ben Anderson joining us here on Jazz pre-half and post-game. So I think the one thing about Conley going back in the lineup that's got to be figured out is with Royce sitting down, he was a guy who was only taking a couple of shots. And he was really deferring to the other four guys who all offered different stuff offensively and all need shots. Now, Joe's that guy, and I don't think anybody thinks it's a good idea for a shooter as good as Joe to take so few shots. Plus, it sometimes, not always, but it sometimes takes the ball out of his hands, and he's also a very good passer. So even though these five guys are good, and individually you might say they're the five best, do the pieces fit together? Because I'm leaning towards no, they don't. And it's a small sample size, so I'm open to being wrong here. But right now I'm leaning towards... They don't really fit. Maybe they will, but they haven't. Well, Mike Conley's not really a floor-spacing guard who just you know sits in the corner and catches mm-hmm. the ball and shoots a three as a spot-up shooter. It's just not ever who he's been. He's, he's pretty ball-dominant. He's a high-usage rate, and he's kind of a rhythm player. Even Quinn Snyder talks about how you know the, his substitution pattern, he plays twice in the first half. He plays the first, what, eight or nine minutes of the quarter and then subs in with the last six or seven minutes of the uh, of the first half and gets up to 15 minutes each half, and that's how he gets 30 minutes a game. He needs to be in longer, uh, and I think that means he needs to have the ball in his hands longer. Joe Ingles also isn't just a spot-up shooter. Now he can do it. He's one of the best in the NBA, but Joe Ingles gets shots when he's running the pick-and-roll with Rudy, and teams have to choose, okay, are we going to go under on this screen because we feel like we're going to get killed, and if you do that, Joe's going to hit a three, and if you go over, then Joe's just going to, you know, 
cat and mouse you and, and get either a layup or get a lob to Rudy at the, at the rim. So, which is what makes Joe Ingles so good. He just doesn't get the, that many opportunities now with Mike Conley in the rotation uh, and playing as much as he does because Mike Conley needs the ball. So th- that is part of the issue. And, and th- there's a hard part where you still would rather Donovan Mitchell and Boyan Bogdanovich get shots than either of those guys. So you know, those guys need to be getting 15 to 20 shots a game. And then you have to have one more player in the starting lineup get a couple and Rudy Gobert's got to get 10 because he's so good to, or, or at the rim, and, and you're going to find opportunities through for him throughout the game because he's such a good dunker and because he makes himself available and knows how to get open. It, you just It does become a numbers game of, of how many shots he can take, and, and I'm sure Quinn will continue to toy with how to get one of those guys the ball more with Rudy Gobert, either in the starting lineup or in the second unit as, as things shift around. I do think that's going to be one of the big question, uh, questions for the Jazz over these last 30 games, but if they do solve it and you can get the best of both of those guys, I mean, the Jazz can really be better than they are currently, and that's, that's scary because the Jazz have been very good this season. So this is one of the more interesting seasons then. All those things you said lead me to think that, man, that's a headache to try to figure out all these things because you went down and you basically named off five or six guys and they got to do their thing, but not everybody can do their thing at the same time. It doesn't work that way. And here we are 50 games in and so much is unsettled, but yet at the same time they've been winning a whole bunch of games except for this last streak. It makes me wonder, man, can this thing all be put together because there's so many just bits and pieces that need to happen? If it does happen, I agree with you. They'll be really good. But do you think that they can get it all done the way it needs to be and everybody is allowed to flourish to the best of their abilities going forward? You're not going to have all five guys playing their best. I don't think you're going to see that. Now, one of the things that's hard to appreciate now, and it's it's something I'm sure the Jazz would say it's a good headache to have, is that they're going to be really versatile come the playoff time. Uh, come playoff time. So they're going to run into a team, and they're going to have a matchup, and they're going to say, well, maybe Boyan Bogdanovich can't give you 20 a game with this matchup because he's going up against Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard's going to have to take him away. Well, okay, so Kawhi's stuck on Boyan. Well, now he can't guard Donovan Mitchell. Okay, maybe Paul George can guard Donovan Mitchell. Okay, great. Now who's going to guard Mike Conley? Okay, maybe it is... Patrick Beverly. Well, they've taken away your top three guys. Well, now you have a guy in Joe Ingles who's going to run the pick and roll, and it's really hard to stop that. So you're really happy to have Joe Ingles in that specific matchup playing that well. It's never going to be all five guys playing perfectly. But when you get to the postseason and you start drawing up matchups and you start scratching off, okay, one for one, two for two, we're scratching off our top guys, the Jazz keep going. And it gets really hard to match them up with their fourth guy or their fifth guy. And then let's say you can match up all five. Well, now the Jazz have a guy who can score 37 points and 24 in the fourth quarter, and it's Jordan Clarkson. Okay, that gets really hard to slow down. So I do think that's part of the game for the Jazz. Is they never thought this was going to be the perfect machine, the way the Golden State Warriors operated, where it seemed like everyone could get theirs and was fantastic every night. I don't think that, a, that I don't think the Jazz are that talented. But they're certainly not that good. I mean, there's four Hall of Famers on that team at one point. The Jazz don't have that. But I do think they like that idea that, when it comes to the playoffs, they're going to be able to go down the line, and even if you're matching the top three and eliminating one another, the Jazz fourth, fifth, and sixth guys are going to be better than what you have. Ben, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll hear on the pre-half and post-game show. All right, we'll see you guys. Thanks. All right, there's Ben Anderson joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.